Hello, friends. Welcome to Resting Church Face, a podcast. I am your host, Amanda Allen, and this is episode 33. This week, we are going to be talking about Barbie, the doll, and the movie. So sit back, relax, call your parents and see if maybe they have some of your Barbies and they haven't sold them in a garage sale. They could be worth something, or you might just want to play with them. And let's talk about it. My sister and I grew up in a Barbie household. We played with a lot of Barbies. You know, we were in a motorhome for most of the time, and we were traveling a lot of the time between states, and there's really only so much music you can listen to and books you can read before you get bored with that. So we spent a lot of time entertaining ourselves playing Barbies. We kept most of our Barbies in a big Tupperware bin, all of their clothes and, you know, paraphernalia. And we always had very specific storylines. Mine usually involved being a pop star, kind of like Debbie Gibson or Tiffany. And so I would make Holly Joe sing with me. <laughs> and I was always the lead singer, of course. Holly Joe, though, always had very dramatic storylines. Usually Holly Joe had a son, and sometimes he was named like Roberto or Frederick. <laughs> very fancy names. And um, most of the stories would end with her pretending her, to dangle her Barbie off a cliff and she was going to fall to her death. And her last words would be, take care of my son. And then she would fall. And then I had to mourn her. I mean, Holly Joe would say, now you cry. And I would cry. Don't ask me why all of Holly's Barbies had to meet an untimely and traumatic death. But it seems to me that it was something like she had saved the world, but she could not save herself. <laughs> she had saved everyone, including her imaginary son. But she had to, to die. She had to fall off a cliff. And it was always a cliff or a building. So our Barbie storylines were always very dramatic. But we had a lot of fun. But when I was five years old, I got a Barbie for my birthday that I loved so much. I really didn't play with her all that much because I wanted her to stay beautiful. And that Barbie was the peaches and cream Barbie. So the Peaches and Cream Barbie was released in 1984, and it was still around when I turned five in 1985. And when my parents gave me that Barbie, I just, it's still in my memory is one of the best gifts I ever got. She was gorgeous. She had um, this sequined top. I think it had spaghetti straps. And then it had a chiffon ball gown at the bottom, and it was peach colored. And I believe there was also a peach colored stole that went with it with the same, that's the same material as the bottom of the dress. Her hair was perfect. Her makeup was perfect. So I rarely played with her because I just thought she was gorgeous. She kind of stayed in the corner. I sometimes would take her out and look at her and play with her, but I really didn't play much with her in our, you know, day-to-day playtimes because I just didn't want her to get messed up. And then a few years later, there was a misunderstanding. We were at a church and my sister met this little girl who didn't have any Barbies. And she had come over to the motorhome and she and Holly Joe were playing and the little girl commented on how she wished she had a Barbie. And so Holly Joe asked my mom if she could give her one of our Barbies, which was really sweet. And my mom said, of course, because we had a lot of Barbies. Holly did not mean to do this, but she gave her my peaches and cream Barbie because she thought it was the most beautiful one and she thought the little girl would love it, which she did. But I came home because I wasn't there and I was like, where's my Barbie? And then I found out and I was devastated. And 
you know, I couldn't ask for it back because how, how mean would that be? But I was so upset. Holly was upset because she didn't mean to give away my prized possession. Um, and I got over it, sort of, but I remembered. <laughs> and then about 15 years ago, my sister actually found a peaches and cream Barbie still in its box. And she gave it to me for Christmas. And I was so excited. I still have it. It is in the other room. It is still in the box. I will keep it in the box forever um, until I am old and gray. It will come with me to the nursing home. So when I heard that there was going to be a Barbie movie, and let's be honest, guys, this movie was hyped more than any movie that I really can remember, aside from maybe like some Harry Potter films and some Star Wars films, but maybe even more than that. I mean, we started seeing like sort of previews for this like a year ago or pictures of Ryan Gosling and Margot Robbie in their, you know, rollerblading outfits. And at first I was kind of like, this is probably going to be stupid or it's going to be a kid's movie. But then the more I heard about it, the more intrigued I became. I really like Greta Gerwig. I have really enjoyed the movies that she has directed. I loved Little Women. I liked Lady Bird. So I thought maybe this might be better than what I thought it was going to be. So I went to see it. And I went to see it by myself because I really wanted to be able to just focus on it and, you know, make my own decision or make my own have my own opinion without it being affected by anybody else. You guys, I was so surprised at how good this movie was. And especially because a lot of people have been saying it was, you know, a feminist manifesto and it, you know, really bashed men. And while I think it is a feminist movie, I think it's mainly for women. I don't think it was toxic. And I don't think that it bashed men in the way that a lot of people thought it was going to. It does point out some discrepancies and some things we probably should, well, not probably, we should all pay attention to. But I think it was done in a very respectful and careful manner. And I think that the messages in the movie are more about how we treat each other and about how life just can't be perfect all the time. And that's what makes it life and it makes it human. And so I left the theater feeling uplifted. And I had not felt like that about a movie in a really long time. And I've not been able to stop thinking about it. It's one of those movies that I just keep coming back to and thinking about some of the things that were said, some of the situations. And so I just want to talk about it. So if you have not seen the Barbie movie, I'm going to give some mild spoilers, but you know, it's been out for a long time now. So I'm not going to be too precious with it. But if you haven't seen it and you want to wait until you have, absolutely pause this, come back to it after you've seen it. But let's talk about Barbie. So the first thing that I thought was just genius in the movie was the opening. So it's very much an homage to the 1968 film, 2001, A Space Odyssey. You know, in the beginning of that movie, these um, prehistoric... Uh, Neanderthal, hominid, I don't know what you would call them, um, men discover how to use weapons. <laughs> and this Barbie movie begins with these little girls discovering the Barbie, the first Barbie. And I didn't realize how genius it was until I saw on Instagram, and I'll post this on our Instagram um, stories, that someone had put 2001 A Space Odyssey and the beginning of the Barbie movie side by side, and it is shot for shot exactly the same, except it's little girls with dolls. <laughs> it's just perfect. I laughed out loud immediately. The second thing is the casting. 
This casting is so good. Margot Robbie is maybe the most perfect choice to play stereotypical Barbie because that's what she calls herself. She looks like the Barbies I grew up with in the 80s, especially. She has the blonde hair, the button nose, the eyes, the makeup. And it really is like the doll had come to life. And then I love that there were all different types of Barbies, you know, because I had a lot, we had a lot of different types of Barbies. And what I also think is so smart is that each of the characters, each of the Barbies in the movie and the Kens were real Barbies and Kens that were released. Some of them are so dumb that you're like, that can't be real, but they were. I remember particularly the Barbies, um, there was, I think it was, I don't remember if it was called Rockstar Barbie. I think that was it. There was like Rockstar Barbie. We had that one. I had Stewardess Barbie. I believe we had Dr. Barbie. We had Long Hair Barbie. <laughs> and I also had a Midge and a Whitney doll. And I got tickled because Midge is the pregnant one that they said was, you know, they don't talk about her. <laughs> so it's just um really funny. And then We've got Ryan Gosling as the main Ken, who is stereotypical Barbie's, you know, boyfriend because he is stereotypical Ken. And he plays this character so seriously. Like he puts everything into it. I believe him. And the singing, his dancing, his just below the surface rage for a lot of this movie is just spot on. It's fantastic. And I think that Margot Robbie did a great job of not only being beautiful, (laughs) because she is, but she is able to give Barbie a personality that you actually begin to care about. So in the beginning, she is very much like a plastic person, right? She's just very happy. And then as it goes on, you know, she's beginning to feel feelings and she never crosses into annoying. You just sympathize with her. You begin to realize that, she has flaws that she didn't know she had and all of these different things. And I think she just does a fantastic job of portraying that. The two funniest characters that I just found to be a real breath of fresh air, um, Weird Barbie, played by Kate McKinnon. (laughs) I knew so many girls that had a Weird Barbie. I never cut the hair of my Barbie. That was just like sacrilege because part of what I loved about Barbie was her hair. But I had friends who would hack their hair off and, you know, draw on them and all that kind of stuff. The fact that she always does the splits... It's it's funny also to me. Um, the only thing that I think that they could have put in that they didn't is, you know how Barbie's legs used to crack up? Like you could bend them backwards. Holly, Joe, and I played a lot of times that we had like broken our legs and we had to go to the doctor. They didn't put that in, but if they had, that would have been perfect. And then Michael Sarah playing Alan, which is Ken's friend that only had like a very short shelf life. He is so funny. I can't imagine anyone else playing that part. And then lastly, I think the other genius thing, aside from the plot and the dialogue, is the portrayal of Barbie Land, because it is exactly how you played with them as children. The dream houses, the cars. I don't believe that Holly, Joe, and I had a dream house, but we did have a plane, (laughs) if I remember right, like an actual plane that went with our steward, uh, air stewardess Barbie. And then... I know we had a motorhome, so we had those, you know, dream motorhome, and I think we had a, a convertible, but, you know, I have played Barbies with my niece Madeline, and she had one of the dream houses, and the way that they have Barbie, you know, float, she doesn't ever come down the stairs, because that's exactly how you would move a Barbie, you'd pick them up and just, like, you know, they'd be on the top floor, but then you just, like, they'd float down to the bottom, 
that was so smart. Uh, the way that she is eating toast and milk, but not actually because it's plastic. Uh, taking a shower, there's no water. But it's all the things that you did as a kid when you were playing Barbies. It's all imagination. And even when they travel to the real world, they have them doing it in such a cardboard cartoon way that you would do with an actual doll. So I thought that that was just a really nice added touch. Very smart. And of course, this was a very famous moment in the preview where you see that her feet are never flat. They're pointed, just like, you know, they're in permanent heel shape, just like the Barbie dolls were. In fact, one of the lines from the movie that I thought was so funny is when uh, Margot Robbie says, if my feet were shaped like this, I would never wear heels when she begins to have flat feet. So great. And so it's obvious to me that Greta Gerwig grew up playing with Barbies, and she's also observed children, little girls, playing with them. And it feels very authentic to the way that we used our imagination when we played with Barbies when we were kids. Next, I think one of the things that made a big impression on me was the way that Ken was handled in the script. So in Barbie land, the Kens are superfluous. It's all about the women. The women are in charge. They they run everything. They have all the respect. And the Kens are just kind of there. They join them and they dance and they're always friendly to them. But, you know, they're not really important. And in, at the beginning, you kind of feel like all of the Kens are just kind of big, dumb, stupid guys. And Ryan Gosling is constantly trying to get Barbie's attention. He wants her to see him for who he is. He loves her so much. He wants her respect. And she doesn't really notice him all that much. In fact, the narrator even says, Barbie has a great day every day, but Ken only has a great day if Barbie looks at him. And I thought that was just such a nuanced way of saying how women feel, how a lot of women feel a lot of the time. I think sometimes we feel like we are only as important as the men that we are with and the way that they view us. We are only extensions of them. And that's the way that the Kens are treated in Barbie land. And of course, when they go into the real world, it's completely flipped. Ken is thrilled because men are important and they have power and Barbie feels uncomfortable and threatened. And that's exactly what it is, right? For women most of the time. And so I feel like the message is not so much that men are bad or men are annoying. And I mean, there are some over-the-top instances where they make men out to be not that bright. But I think it's more of um, a pileup, a conglomeration of all of the different things that women go through with men. And she's really just highlighting, Greta Gerwig is, a lot of the things that we go through. One of the parts that really got to me is when they are rollerblading um, down the sidewalk. And she said that I feel like I'm, they're looking at me in a, you know, in a kind of a threatening way. And Ken's like, I feel great. I think they're looking at me because I look great. And I just realized that, you know, so much of the time we are so self-conscious because when we walk out into the world, we have to think about things like that. And for the most part, I don't think guys have to think that way. They don't constantly feel like they're being assessed and that maybe there could be violence directed at them if they dress a certain way or behave a certain way. You know, I was talking with one of my friends and um, we were talking about something in elementary school. And I can remember in third grade, a guy and a group of guys saying something to me about my body that was a sexual joke. 
that I did not understand. I didn't understand it until I was much older. And then when I remembered it and realized what they were saying, I was embarrassed and angry and hurt. And, you know, almost every woman that you know has had something said to her or has felt that way at some point, and it's not okay. But what I think is such a great thing that this movie does is that it really drives home the point that the way that we treat each other is not great all the time. Because when Barbie gets back to Barbie land, you know, there towards the end, she tells Ken that she hasn't treated him well because she realizes now what it feels like to be treated that way, that we should treat each other, both of us, men and women should treat each other with respect. And I think that was really a lot of the message that was being being given in this movie. I am not for men bashing. I'd like to say that. Like, I think guys are great. And for the most part, most of the men that I know are not like the men that are portrayed in the movie. But one of the other things that I think was so smart is that a lot of them don't have bad intentions. You know, in this movie, most of the men aren't creeps. They're not jerks. They just don't get it. They say things and they don't realize what they're saying, or they do things and they don't realize what they're doing and the way that they're making women feel. Um, I thought one of the great lines when um, they said something about a man with no power and this guy says, I'm a man with no power. Does that make me a woman? (laughs) You know, that's what it feels like. Or like when they point out that Mattel, all of the CEOs are men. There aren't any women. There's been like two. And it's Barbie. It's toys. It's toys for girls for the most part, the Barbie division. And there are no women. Will Ferrell is great in this part. He's probably the silliest character, but, you know, he's that buffer that does make you laugh. And he does say a lot of the things that are just clueless. Um, But I think he does represent a lot of men who have good intentions, but don't really realize that they're coming from a place of privilege and of power and that they sometimes can make us feel very less than as women. beginning of the movie, Barbie is perfect. She looks perfect. She acts perfect. Her days are always great. And then something shifts in the midway point of the movie. And there is a moment in particular that is set in a school when Barbie realizes that she is not liked by everybody, even though she has done nothing wrong. She has tried her best. She has been good. She has been perfect. And it still isn't working. I think that is such a life lesson for everybody. You know, the last episode we talked about people pleasing. This is something that I struggle with. I can do my best. I can try to be everything that people want me to be. All things to all people. And it still sometimes doesn't work. Sometimes they misunderstand me. Sometimes they just decide that They don't like me and they're never going to like me and there is nothing I can do to make them like me. And it's such a shock to her character in this moment that she just, you know, kind of has a come apart. And towards the end of the movie, there is a scene with Barbie and she is speaking to America Ferreira's character. And America Ferreira has this amazing speech that I'm not going to, you know, say word for word, but she does say some amazing things. But I think the thing that got me even more than her speech was what Barbie says, what Margot Robbie says right before it. When she says, I'm not pretty anymore. I'm not perfect. I'm not good enough for anything. I think 
all women, and I think some men, but especially all women, have gone through this multiple times or at least one time. You know, there are things about my body and about the way that I look as I'm aging and things that have happened to my body that I feel at some, you know, I have felt have discounted me or have like put me out of the running and that I am no longer good enough to be seen as as beautiful or attractive. And, you know, we've all had that moment of looking in the mirror and thinking, I am not enough. And then America Ferreira has this speech that she gives about that she says it's almost impossible to be a woman and lists the ways and the contradictory things that we have to deal with, um, being moms, being um, a certain weight, but you can't admit that you want to be thin, but you also have to be thin. I thought that was a really the way that they put that, I thought that was really well done. Um, the guilt that we feel almost all of the time, all of the things that we're trying to juggle. But I just feel like that scene in particular is very much what it feels like to be a girl, just in general. Um, there are great things about being a woman and there are hard things. And again, I think there are hard things about being a guy that I don't have to deal with. But I think this is the hardest, one of the hardest things. As women, we are conditioned from an early age to tie our worth to our appearance, to our productivity, to our intelligence, just all of the things that we feel like we come up short in all the time because nobody is perfect. And I think what the Barbie movie does so well is highlights the fact that perfect isn't real and it's not sustainable even for Barbie. So America Ferreira says, you know, if you feel these things as a doll, I can't, you know, think about what it feels like to be a human. And perfect just isn't attainable. It's just not something that we can do. And this message about perfection isn't just for the women. I love at the end of the movie when Ken, Ryan Gosling, is having an, a breakdown. I mean, he's actually crying and he's saying that he just doesn't know who he is without her. He doesn't know who he is as Ken. And Barbie says, maybe it's not Barbie and Ken. Maybe it's Barbie and it's Ken. And of course, Ken breaks the tension by saying, I am Kenneth. <laughs> and it's really funny, and I really enjoyed that moment. Another thing that this movie does so well is highlight how beautiful life is, even with all the obstacles that we face. It's what makes life, life. There's a scene where Barbie is sitting on a bench, and she just starts observing everything around her. She's watching leaves move in the wind, people laughing, children playing, people arguing, people crying. And she looks over next to her and there's a lady sitting on the bench next to her who is an older lady. She's elderly. And she's never really seen anybody that's old. She's never seen wrinkles. And she looks at her and she just says, you're so beautiful. And that's such a touching moment. And then there is a scene towards the end of the movie when she makes a big decision about whether she's going to stay in Barbie land or is she going to become human. And she's told that, you know, Barbie never dies, but if you become human, people die. You lose things. There are hard things in life. And it's so true that if you never have any obstacles to overcome, it's not 
as good. Like, you know, if you win something, but you really didn't have to work for it, you don't really appreciate it or feel like you did something of value. And when you realize that you could lose people that you love, it makes your time with them more precious. And there's a song that is played called What Was I Made For by Billie Eilish in one of these very key moments. And it is so good. It gives you all of the feelings, but it really makes this moment even more poignant. And it's something we all need to remember. Life doesn't have to be perfect to be good. It can be hard. It can be frustrating. It can be challenging. But it's still beautiful. And then I can't end this episode without, once again, talking for just a moment about how good Ryan Gosling is in this movie. Ryan Gosling is good in every movie. You know, even the movies that aren't great, he brings something to them because he just always fully commits to the role. And in this case, I think this might be his acting pinnacle. He's just so talented. And I used to watch him in the Mickey Mouse Club with my sister back in the 90s when we were in like seventh grade. Ryan Gosling and I are the same age. And I remember thinking, he's cute. <laughs> like, he's really cute. He could sing, he could dance, he could act. And then, you know, he he was on Young Hercules. And I remember thinking, isn't that the kid from Mickey Mouse Club? And then I really began to notice him during The Notebook, which I think was when the world took notice of, of Ryan Gosling in all kinds of ways. And he was great in La La Land. La La Land is one of my favorite movies because I love movies like Singing in the Rain. And I think that's such a great homage to that. And he sings and dances, but this is singing and dancing in the most 80s, early 90s, satisfying way. He sings the song, I'm Just Ken. And <laughs> it is my favorite part of the whole movie. The other part that I think is so great is um, he sings a Matchbox 20 song. In fact, all of the Ken sing a certain Matchbox 20 song. I laughed through that entire thing. But just the way that he delivers his lines you really believe him. Like he feels all of the feelings. He is wanting to impress Barbie. You know, even the things that he does in the end that, you know, make Barbie land not great and kind of toxic for women. He's not really doing it because he's trying to be a creep. He is trying to impress Barbie. And he's just so good at it. He's just such a good choice for this role. He's just so likable. And I don't think my sister has seen it yet. Um, I can't wait for her to see his performance. I know she will like it as much as I do. And, you know, if if nothing else, if you go to this movie and you don't really care about any of the things that I talked about in this episode, it's just a fun movie. If you grew up in the 80s and 90s, especially if you were a girl who played with Barbies, it's just enjoyable. Now, I will say this. I don't think this movie is for children. I saw a lot of adults with little kids and I don't think it's appropriate. It's not that there's a lot of bad language, but there are some adult jokes that probably would go over their head, but I don't think it would be something that you should take your little kids to. But I think it's great for like a girl's night out, especially. I think you would really enjoy that. And so I loved this movie. I thought it was really funny and entertaining. It made me want to get out my Barbies. I may go and look at my peaches and cream Barbie after this and just be like, oh, I'm not going to take her out of the box, though, because she has to stay pristine. She has to stay stereotypical Barbie. <laughs> but it really just brings back all those nostalgic feelings of being a kid and and playing and 
having imagination. And it also makes you think. And I think that that's all we can really ask from good movies. And this one delivers. All right, guys, that's it for this episode. Thank you so much for hanging out with me again this week. And thank you for following and subscribing and telling your friends about the podcast. I can't tell you how much it means to me. If you get a chance to get on Apple Podcasts and leave a quick review, that would be so great. It just helps other people find the show. If you'd like to find me, I am super easy to find on Instagram. It's at Resting Church Face. I hope you have a fantastic week and let's get together again soon.